0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with BYTE.
1: Ethics in football, we dug ourselves a hole. Is it right or wrong to smash a player's skull? Ain't no easy answers There's one thing I know Now it's time to play that banjo.
0: Football's our favorite But won't you please take note We see it's got some problems We're all in the same boat Reckoning with football's past I reckon you better
1: paddle fast How are we doing, Ross? You gotta let me intro in, man. You can't, you, you can't just come in guns blazing like this. I assumed we weren't recording yet. We, it's it, it's always recording, man. It's always recording. Just hang on. Jesus Christ! It's, you, you, it's you, a cold you guys, open, are, Kevin, this is a you, cold open. You guys are coming in a million miles an hour, and I, I just can't deal. Everyone, welcome to college. Welcome, to, see, you've got me flustered right now, because I'm typing an email, too. I'm still kind of at work right now. It's a whole thing. Oh, shit, we're recording. We are right? friends,
2: to Banjo College Football.
1: Ross, I swear to God, I will drive to D.C. and crack you in half right now. Um, Where's the tall guy? Folks, welcome to Banjo College Football, the world's most ethical college football podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Paul, joined by my usual ragtag group of undesirables, Brian Scott Rippey, Ross Mulker and the ghost of Andrew Stevens. Um, i made some pretty good money in Vegas today betting that Andrew would not be on for 8 p.m. Uh, Central. So, you know, I'm going to probably treat myself to a nice dinner tomorrow night. Fellas, how are y'all? I'm doing well, KP. How you doing? Yeah, I can't complain. Um, you know, it's been, a, it's been a fine week. Busy Although, one. Although,
2: I got a, an important follow-up question for you. Um... How long would you say that you and I have known each other?
1: Um, About six years now, right? A little bit over six years. That sounds about right. I think you're the one with
2: the awesome memory, so I figure you, like, know the date that you and I walked back from class and realized that we lived across this hall from each other.
1: It was spring Um, 2015 for sure. I can guarantee that.
2: Yeah, the reason I was wondering is that I feel like you and I have been close pretty much since that day, six years ago. Um, And you still don't know how to say my last name. That's wild.
1: I thought it was Mulcairn.
2: It's Mulcaron, baby.
1: I've been saying Mulcaron and I heard someone else say Mulcairn, and I think I said it Mulcairn once, and you said, great job. You did it. Mm. Ross, I I don't know. know. I'll I'll take that.
0: I'm sorry. Is that like a terrible caramel type of thing? I feel like you could go either way.
1: Well, it is my name, so. I like to get people's names right. That's a thing for me.
2: Would you be upset if I said you were repeat?
0: No, because that's far from the worst way Pete butchered that. I have a weird last name on top of a double name that doesn't make any sense. So I was really just shafted from the womb.
1: You've got a and you've got a great situation because you've got uh, two first names and two last names. That is true. That's a pretty cool spot. I just got the three first names. Um, but you – yeah, that's a pretty good um, – that's a good setup you've got there. It's a tough one.
0: I just pretty much roll with my last name unless it's like a professional setting, and then I've gone with Brian, which is unfortunate.
1: Yeah, Brian's not great. i just say Rippy because Brian doesn't feel right. It never does. Still doesn't to me either 26 years <laughs> later.
2: Yeah, I said Brian to somebody the other day, and I was like, that doesn't feel right. But I definitely, like, it was not the person who I wanted to be like, yeah, it's this dude Rip. Um,
1: that also didn't
2: quite feel right. But.
1: Right. Of course not. So, fellas, leading off, I, I obviously all the news from this past weekend, uh, there's a lot to talk about. As we know, CFP and former BCS Executive Director Bill Hancock basically spilled the beans on Friday and Kind of admitted that uh, playoff expansion is happening in one way or another pretty soon. Um, so before we talk about that in full, I want to know what is y'all's like perf- in your perfect college football world. What would your postseason format look like? Not your not your method of determining a champion, even though that could be part of it. But just what does post conference championship look like for you in a perfect world?
2: I have always believed that the first thing they need to do is set up, whether it's quarterfinals because it's an eight team or a sixteen, whatever it is, the first round should. I think that that, uh, like the atmosphere of being on a college campus, is so integral to the sport of college football that as much as I love going to these neutral side games, cause KP and you, know, you and I have been to plenty of playoff games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think whether it's eight or 16, the first, like I, I understand you can't mess with the bowls. They have to have the semifinals and all that, but however you do it, the first round needs to be at college campuses. Give, you know, your Alabama's your Clemson's Ohio States, whoever it may be. Of course, it's going to be those three, um, mm-hmm. the right to like earn a home, an extra home game um, for the first round.
1: That's good. I that's I, that's pretty common. I think a, a lot of people are sort of in that same boat. That if it is expanded, it has to be on college campuses because it's hard to expect fans to travel to three neutral site games in a row. Um, because even people that you know, you budget for this, and you know, fans of and I get boohoo, poor Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson fans. Um, I don't want to try. I mean, it gets expensive, Ross. I mean, you know this. You are you know, in school for a pretty um, great run for Alabama football, and so was I. And it's just like, God, dude, I, I just, I'm just not going to do the postseason this year. Like the, uh, I think Jalen Hurts' freshman year, I just did not go to. I could have gone to at least the semifinal, and probably could have swung the championship game too if I was crazy. But it's like, nah I just just don't want to swing it this year, you know? And-
2: <laughs> yeah, I um, I want to say yeah, it would have been Jalen Hurts' freshman year was when we played Clemson the second time, and it was in Tampa. Um, and I was trying to figure out how to make it work. And I knew I was spending way too much money on that ticket. So, KP, you know this, I, like, I drove from New York to Tampa and Mm -hmm. like picked up various friends along the way, uh, you know, so we could split a hotel room and gas money. And then we all drove from Tampa back to Tuscaloosa the day after the game in order to be there for classes starting on Wednesday. Yep. Um, but I remember like, there was no way I could, I couldn't figure out how to like, you know, I needed my car on campus and these flights were so expensive. And, and, you know, flying into Tampa was once they knew that's when the game was, it did not matter where you were coming from. It was almost impossible. So the, there was a, one of our friends did fly in. Um, and I think we drove out to Orlando to pick her up. Cause like, it was just, Impossible. These 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 trips, they're just uh, they really get out of hand, and it makes it awfully hard for the students to be there. And and you know, Taco Bell gives away those free student tickets, but it's it's such a huge part of the process is is having the the students there like you would on campus, um, and having as many of them as possible, not just the ones who can afford the you know like $500 ticket or whatever it may be.
1: You know, it's really funny. In a weird way, you're almost jealous of a team like Michigan State. Um, Maybe that's not the best example, but it's like, man, you – in your college career, it's like, man, yeah, that trip to Dallas was pretty expensive. But that was it. You don't have to, like, break the bank anymore, and you can still have a decent football team and have fun. Whereas for us, and I know this is, like, you know, champagne problems. But (laughs) it's like, damn, like, which – Playoff game, do I want to go to? It's like, do I even risk buying tickets to the championship game? Like, this past year, I think in 2019, over the summer, I bought a plane ticket when I was still living in New York to New Orleans because that's where the championship game was. And yeah, Alabama didn't make it, but I made the decision like, look, if Alabama makes the playoff, I'm not going to the semifinal. I'm not. I'm just going to hope we make the championship game. And if we don't, I'll cancel the flight, which of course we didn't. So I did. Uh, so it it just gets very cost prohibitive. Rip, what's your ideal postseason scenario looking like? Sure, so I love everything both of you guys just said. I had not even – I
0: mean, I'd heard of the on-campus idea before, but I hadn't put a ton of thought into it. I am all for that uh, initial reaction. How about first and foremost, could we make it a playoff? Could we make it a playoff where there's a qualifying system? Because what this really is is just an invitational. So, like, could we have an actual playoff? Could there be some concrete way to qualify for this team – Thing instead of have you know, a bunch of old people sit in a room five miles from my house in Grapevine, Texas, and no one knows what the hell's going on or what the criteria is on a year to year basis. So I think start by making it a playoff would be a nice plus. And then I guess my ideal one is like, I would like to do 16, and you could do the first two rounds on campuses and then keep the same semifinal and final thing, keep the ball structures intact, all that jazz. I know people have really opinionated stances on this like if you're anti-expansion to where you're like it'd be pointless to go to eight or 16 okay cool like i that doesn't really bother me but uh i never hate more football and having a normal 16 team actual playoff bracket style would just make too much sense for this stupid ass sport
1: yeah i i, I think i going rose
2: i was just gonna say this may sound uh silly coming from someone who, you know, got really into college football through the University of Alabama where I attended. And I know there's a lot of people at Alabama that disagree with me. But I think the, like, most important part of any expansion process, um, like Rip, you said, is, is a qualification system and something that prohibits the complete and total exclusion of the G5. Because I think, like... They're fun games. That's the closest thing college football has to a Cinderella story. Like if you care about college football beyond just your team, like that BYU Coastal game last year was so fun. It was so cool because not only did they put it together last minute, but it was top G5 teams and you paid attention to these teams that you would normally, and they cycle through much more quickly because generally you get a really good coach and then they'll move on to a bigger job. So they don't have the same sort of entrenched power structure that the current playoff system has, you know, Cincinnati may be up one year, Coastal's up one year, Boise's up one year, whatever that may be. Like those teams need to have a chance before, you know, they probably lose their coach to a big school and then they go down for 10 years again. You know, UCF went what, like 12 and one, then they went 0 and 13 two years later. And then they went 13 and 0 two years after that. Like it's this stuff is, is <laughs> so random and changes so fast that I think they deserve a chance to not just, you know, beat the shit out of Auburn in the Peach Bowl as fun as yeah. that may be for the rest of us.
1: Yeah, I do think and this is a small small tangent, but I love how you brought up Boise State because they randomly had insane coach stability considering how um successful they've been. I think Chris Peterson was there for eight, well, before Chris Peterson, Dan Hawkins was there for like I think something 10 to 15 years, and then Chris Peterson at least um, you know, like 7 or 8 years and then Brian Harson has been there for a decade before he just took the Arbor job this year. So I think that's just very interesting. And shout out to Boise for establishing a culture that keeps their coaches there. Um, Rip, I do like the actual qualifications thing. The one thing I'm wary of is, man, again, it's it's not just about this because it's a, it's college football. There's never been a true champion, quote, unquote. There have been best teams that never a true champion. Um, I don't want a team that's bad that just happened to win their conference to qualify for the playoff like i think in 2018 washington finished the regular season at um not either 10 and 3 or 9 and 4 after winning the pac 12 a great year you know you win your conference um a lot of hard games in there a lot of really good wins in there but that team shouldn't play for a national championship in my mind could be could be wrong i could just be short-sighted on this but that's just where i stand on automatic qualifying but i do appreciate your idea. Of there needs to be some type of actual qualifiers, not just, Oh, who do we think should be in? It's like 12 people just deciding, Oh, who should, what do we feel like this week? <laughs> yeah. And I, I do think
2: that, um, KP, you're right. Like you don't want to see that, but I mean, I don't think that takes away from, if there's enough rounds and there's enough teams, like you're going to get the better teams. You know, like this is something that we always talk about, uh, you know, March Madness, the 68-team tournament, like is theoretically the least efficient way to determine who the actual best team is. You know, English Premier League, they got it figured out, or most European soccer leagues, where you play everybody, you get points, all that jazz. And just a bunch of single game, single eliminations is actually not the way you want to do it. But when you think about it, at the end of that team, at the end of that game, or that tournament, sorry, ooh, even though you have these fun, you know... Cinderella story, you know, Loyola Chicago made it to the final four, all this stuff. um, Chances are that team's not actually going to win, you know, like you may not have your, uh, that I think it was Anthony Davis, Kentucky team that almost went undefeated or, or, you know, anyone, or Gonzaga this year, like they're not, they don't win all the time, but you still end up with chances are like three of the best teams are going to be in the final four. So even though it may be silly that, I think this year Oregon beat USC in the Pac-12 Championship game even though they made it in cuz Washington had COVID problems and Oregon like mm-hmm. wasn't that good. I think it would have been interesting to see them there cuz it would have put a lot more interest on that USC Oregon game. There's something to play for there which like, you know, not to I don't I mean obviously there's something to play for with that championship, but there's there's a reason to pay attention which as someone who enjoys watching late night college football it is easy to be like no, no i'm gonna turn it off even though it's a conference championship game that should mean something to people like us who you know watch mm-hmm. way too much college football right and i think yeah. having a qualifier and like if they have to make it if they have to play three games in a playoff or four games nine and three washington is not gonna win the title so you're never gonna have that they may surprise somebody, they may beat Ohio State in the first round, and it's like, oh my goodness, what's going on? And then you get to root for them, which I think is going to be kind of fun. And then in the next round, they're going to run into, you know, redshirt junior Spencer Rattler and game over. It's not fun anymore, but, you know, they had their they had their little run.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's a great point. Um, the 16-team thing is very intriguing to me because, especially if the first two rounds are on campus... Um, I definitely kind of want to see it in a high school format and that, you know, as at least in Louisiana, as much as they can help it, they don't like for teams to travel two weeks in a row. So let's say one seed Alabama wins in the first round and nine seed, um, I don't know, nine seed Penn state beats eight seed uh, Texas A&M in college station. Instead of making Penn state travel two weeks in a row, they get to play that next round at home for the semifinal. And I think that would be a kind of an interesting format. Obviously, you know, the one seed is the point of getting a higher seed is so you have home games. But I do think if, again, if, I, if number one, Alabama is the best team in the country, they should beat the number nine team, even if that game is on the road. Um, so I don't, that's very interesting. You guys know me. I'm a plus one guy. I think, sorry, go on Ross.
2: I was just going to say, I, I'm not as familiar with the high school football system. So, the, the question that comes to mind for me in that situation is, if you're number one seed Alabama and you're playing 16 seed Michigan State, um, and then you know that in the next round you have the winner of A&M and Penn State in this example, Happy Valley and Kyle Field are both pretty tough places to play. Now, obviously, no yeah. one wants to play in uh, I, I, East Lansing. i might
1: might picked pick two of the four toughest places to play in the country. But, but let's say <laughs> for that for example, example <laughs> would
2: you – does the one seed get to say, all right, we're playing the 16 seed. We want to go to East Lansing in the first round so that we make sure we have home field advantage in the second if we can't be sure that we're going to get the person to come to us in the second round.
1: Uh, well, not necessarily. They, because would they even be allowed then- to do that? Well, sometimes teams do have to travel two, week, two weekends in a row. Like, let's say in Louisiana, um, one beats 32, but then 16 beats 17. Um, then – well, that's not the best example. But I think you know what I'm trying to get at. It's like sometimes both of the higher seeds win. So it's just like – or both, both of the lower seeds win, I should say. So let's say um, 32 wins at one, which has happened a lot in Louisiana, surprisingly, <laughs> and 17 wins at 16 well, then 32 is going to have to travel again because 17, 17 is played on the road and they're the higher seed, you know? So sometimes it'll happen and you can't avoid it. But I do think if, if a team traveling two weekends in a row can be avoided, that would be a very fun system. I think it would be awesome to watch, you know, a number two Clemson go on the road at, you know, a number 10 – I don't think a random team that would be in this – a number 10 USC. That'd be interesting. That'd be that'd be much better for the sport in inter- if the goal is to increase natural interest, than just having Clemson play two games at home, having Bama or Ohio State play two games at home. It'd be much better for the good of college football as a whole. And you just get more home and homes that way, really, which I think is awesome. Yeah,
2: I'm all about the home and homes.
1: Yeah. But you guys I'm, know I'm me, very I'm...
2: glad that that Alabama's booked up their schedule with home and homes and no longer the neutral. Side. Like the neutral sites were fun. But, you know, yeah. you can only go to Atlanta so many times. Well, that's a bad example because I could always stay with friends and then go to the local afterwards. But still, you can only go to Atlanta so many times. It's well, nice it, to go to
1: new places. I think <laughs> the fan base started getting fed up when Bill Battle scheduled games in Atlanta against Duke and um, in Orlando against Louisville in back-to-back years. Um, at that point, we were just like, okay, uh, we're done with this. Let's <laughs> let's reevaluate. Yeah. Rip, what's the what's
2: the Ole Miss like opening weekend situation like? I realize I should probably know this, but like do they do a lot of neutral sites or home and homes? Like what's the next I mean I'm sure they're booked for the next fifteen years, but what's that what's that schedule look like?
1: It's the Michael uh, Baptists, right?
2: <laughs>
0: Hugh Freeze kinda of started that and ramped it up. I guess some of it started at the end of the Houston nut area, but Ole Miss actually opens the year uh, in Atlanta against Louisville next year. So, like, the most cliched opening game of all time is next year. And then they have – after that, it's pretty much home and homes. There's one more neutral side on the schedule. I can't remember exactly who it was. And then they would have opened the year in Houston against Baylor had COVID not happened this year, mm. um, which I was, pr- like, proposing that Hugh Freeze and Art Bryles do the honorary coin toss for that <laughs> one. That's for that seemed to fruition. But – uh, so, yeah, all Miss is actually dabbled pretty big in it. And then they had that huge uh, Ob- Labor Day night game in 2016 against Florida State. Oh, uh yeah. Uh, in 2016, I guess that was. That was the uh, – uh, I know we were in the groupie. That was actually when I got banned from Lyft. And so that happened in 2016. And then they did L- – Boise State – the year before in fifteen, so they've actually been pretty heavy on the whole neutral site deal. But I'm more of a home and home guy as well. I would very much prefer that.
1: Yeah, neutral site game. I think that's good to do, especially for recruiting purposes, exposure purposes. But I don't know, man. If you have a lot of alums in a city, it makes sense to like Dallas is a huge Alabama alumni hub, as is Atlanta. Um, which is why the Orlando game didn't make much sense. But it's like, yeah, if you have a like. I don't know. Ohio State wouldn't do this because they don't do the neutral site thing. But yeah, if Ohio State wants to play an opening game, an opening weekend neutral site at Soldier Field in Chicago, I'm sure that I'd be very beneficial for them in that whole program. So I see the benefit. But a college football is all about random teams playing in random stadiums. Um, and not as random because Bama's doing all of these against Power Five teams, except for that two for one they have with South Florida <laughs> coming up in a few years. But yeah, I do think that. Um, it's definitely home and homes are better for the college football ecosystem. You guys know me in terms of postseason. I'm plus one guy. I think all the bowls should go back to their original tie-ins. The Big Ten should play the Pac-12 every year in the Rose Bowl. Um, The SEC should play in the Sugar Bowl every year so that, you know, it means something to win your conference and go to, you know, and go to wherever that bit is. I think the Big 12 was the Fiesta Bowl originally – before they sign a deal with the Sugar Bowl, you win the ACC, you should go to the Orange Bowl. I, I think I'm a traditionalist in that sense. And then after all the dust settles from the Bowls, whoever's one and two at the end, it can be voted upon. It can be one more AP poll, however you want to do it. The top two teams should go. So if one and two win their bowl games, then yeah, they deserve to play against each other. If, you know, I, I also think it'll cut down on the opt outs, which I don't really care about, but I think it is cool when teams' best players play in games which is why that Florida, Oklahoma Cotton Bowl wasn't even fun to watch, even though Florida got dunked on. It was like, uh, well, like Kyle Pitts wasn't playing, Cadere's Tony wasn't playing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's like, look, if you're number four and you're playing against um, number two in, you know, in the Sugar Bowl, it's like, yeah, that's like there's no reason to opt out there. If you win that game, you could have a chance at a title. And even if you don't have a chance at a title, hey man, you just you were number four in the country and you won you beat number two to finish number three in the polls. That's awesome, you know? Um, so that, that's my proposal. It'll never happen because the playoff makes too much money. But this has the exact amount of um, – basically has the exact amount of games that the current system has so student-athletes don't have to play an extra game. And on top of that, it's there could be like three or four playoff games instead of just the two semifinals. If we're worried about the game total, and I
0: know this screws up the ecosystem of college football, but at a certain point, you got to take care of yourself. I don't know where I fall on this line or whatever, but if you're worried about the too many games, can we eliminate the kick the shit out of X school, give them a million dollar check, and send them back to their city? Like, uh-huh. how, like that would be the most logical way to go about this, right? Maybe nine, ten regular ga- regular season with like one major non-conference game. Eight or nine game conference slate, and then you go into your playoffs or whatever. I just don't know how the have-nots in collegiate athletics would make money off of that, or like I guess survive or adjust to the change. I don't even know what I'm saying, but can right. we lean off of that somehow?
1: Yeah, I was talking to Ross about this earlier today, actually, and it's basically saying like, like right now there are I don't uh, forty at least right at least forty FBS teams that operate in the red. The numbers probably much higher than that, but for the sake of this, I'm going to say forty. And we cut out those games. That number probably jumps to 80 to 90 teams that, out of all the FBS teams that operate in the red. Uh, and it's like at a certain point, that's unsustainable. So it's like, yeah, those games aren't entertaining and they don't really do anything in terms of determining a college football champion. But it's like, man, if like the if the sunbelt has to disband, that's not that's not fun. That's not cool. You know, I like why, when ULL goes on the road and beats Iowa State. That's funny. That's interesting. And, I do think that serves a purpose in college football. Um, yeah, I've, I've always struggled with that because, you know,
2: for the, the sake of the, you know, top quality games, it has always made sense to eliminate the bye games. But I just – I can't see that as good for the long-term health of the sport if, you know, school like schools would close – like schools wouldn't close, but football programs would close. They would shut down their programs. And not just football because a lot of times – you know, that million dollars or whatever it may be pays for the entire football season or something like that. I'm making up these numbers. So that way the regular athletic budget can be dedicated to the Olympic sports or whatever. Um, So I I have a hard time with that one just because, you know, Alabama doesn't need that million dollars. Yeah, it doesn't change their national championship aspirations at all, whether or not they, you know, beat the shit out of somebody. But it's also kind of fun that like, those are the games that we remember years and years later i don't know how much michigan paid app state to come up to michigan but like we none of us will ever forget that game you know people no. still talk about you know alabama losing in 06 to ulm um like those are they're they're silly uh but you know every now and then maybe like once a year usually not as extreme as I think then FCS App State against I over, I think, then number five Michigan. But, like, it, it helps the long-term health of the sport theoretically. I, I, I don't know enough about the, you know, finances of college football, but I, I know that the, that money means a lot to those programs. So oh. I have a hard time thinking of that as the – like, I think that, at least for Alabama, there's usually, like, one really good non-conference game, one clearly, like, garbage buy game, and then there was, like, a middle tier – Game. And yeah. I think that might be the one that you might be more likely to drop. But I don't know. I don't know yeah. how much we paid that middle tier person. So,
1: Alabama's system was normally, and I'll let you rock here, Red. but the Alabama's system was neutral for the longest time, neutral side against the P5, um, good G5 school, so like a Fresno State, uh, bad G5 school, at least at the time, Colorado State, and then FCS, so like a Mercer or something like that. That was their system. So, four levels of non conference games. Um, but, Rip, what were you saying just now? No, I would just say I agree with you guys. Like, I think it's good for the,
0: I know they serve a purpose and it's good for like the long term health of the sport as a whole and all these athletic programs. I guess I posed the topic shittily. Like, is there a way to supplement this without having to go through, you know, the Citadel coming to Oxford or coming to Tuscaloosa and that taking place? I don't even know what that would look like. I just tried to run through a couple ideas in my head and none of them would make sense. But is there like a, Here's a crazy term, redistribution of wealth that could go on to where that could happen and you could keep you could kinda of keep these programs afloat. I don't know how that works. I'm just spitballing here, but without having these guys actually have to go put on shoulder pads and play the game.
1: I think the NCAA needs to actually, you know, take a stand and op, like I understand that they don't run the playoffs, they don't run the bowl games or whatever. They run the FCS playoffs and the regular the college football regular season. However, I just think that's just them saying, oh, sorry, nothing we can do. Like, no, like you're operating the FCS. Like, invest in that, you know, negotiate, get up, get to the negotiating table and get more TV dollars for the FCS playoffs, um, get more FCS games on ESPN. Um, I know it's obviously there's a power five, but what would you rather watch at 11 a.m. Central on a Saturday? Would you rather watch – Um, Iowa play a sleepy-ass game against Purdue, or would you rather watch, you know, James Madison against North Dakota State? And if if you're, like, a real college football fan, you'll watch James Madison North Dakota State, because that's going to be a better game. Uh, I think that's very important for the NCAA to actually (laughs) act like they can make money on FCS football, because they can. I mean, there's a ton of FCS grads around the the country, a ton of people who are D two and D three fans that root for FCS schools. I think there's a, there's more money in that than I think the NCAA even realizes. That's I agree. Solution.
0: I think, uh, and, and look, Mark Ember just got extended. So I'm sure that's in his first 100 days plan. <laughs> but, <laughs> I agree. And there's a lot of FCS players in the NFL. And like, if you get those guys on a bigger stage more often, I think you can kind of have a more mainstream Trey Lance and people like that at other positions as well. I just, uh, how you get the TV uh, the TV stations and all of that to kind of buy into that. I don't know, but their playoffs get broadcasted, like you said. Instead of Iowa-Wisconsin, where it's run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, punt the ball for three and a half hours, could you get a James Madison-North Dakota State on a couple of times a year instead? Well,
2: I mean, after tomorrow, the last three North Dakota State starting QBs will be on NFL rosters. And, like, sure, you know, for KP's example – Purdue and Iowa to play like I think David Blau and C.J. Beathard, like the only two Purdue and Iowa QBs I can come up with off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure they are on NFL rosters, but like that's not exciting. No one is happy when they enter the game. Um, and you know Carson Wentz wasn't so great last year, but hey, if you if you told me that Easton Stick was showing up in a game, it may just be because his name is Easton Stick, but I'm going to tune in.
1: Carson Wentz won an MVP. Like. I- <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's that's people, true. People people do forget that. People literally forget that. Um, he, he yeah, he definitely won that trophy.
1: There's an I mean there's and honestly I do think if people cared about college football the way they said they did there'd be more FCS players just taking them every year's draft and like yeah like why and why not I do I want the FCS to thrive I want the G5 to thrive and I think the Power Five can do can pick a champion better because as you said right, right now it's an invitational obviously, as a Bama grad, it's like, well, what do you care? You'll make it anyway. It's like, well, yeah, that's why I do care, because we'll make it anyway. I don't care what the system is. It needs to be better. <laughs> as long as Nick Sabres at Alabama, they're going to find a way to make it in, because they're that good. But it's like, yeah, let's find a better system. If that is expansion, then it is expansion. If it's a plus-one thing, it's a plus-one thing. If it goes to automatic qualifiers, sure. But there has to be a better way than this. Because right yeah, now, basically, it's-, th- it, it's there's basically 126 teams to 27 teams playing for one spot right now
2: yeah that's what's happening if you give um, actual opportunities to the g5 to make the to make the tournament the playoff as you may say um and which in my mind and i know that there are going to people there are going to be people who disagree with this my my thought is a 16 team playoff you have 10 fbs conferences each one gets an automatic qualifier and then you get six at large it'll give you the opportunity for the third place big 10 team that still made it in because this year it's penn state and they're going to show up and they're going to whoop the Sun Belt champion but that Sun Belt champion is going to be on tv and there's going to be a big contract that gives each of those g5 schools playoff money because each one is sending a team every single year and that way your conference championship games matter you have all these people in it. You know, it's always fun when the weird basketball team, like, makes a run during their conference tournament and they get in the playoff or in the NCAA tournament for basketball. But I think that also allows you the opportunity to maybe not eliminate, but greatly lessen the need for, like, a bye game against Colorado State. So you keep your Mercer your keep your Mercer bye game or your Charleston Southern bye game or the Citadel or whomever – But that way you can cut down on paying a bad G5 team to show up to play because they're getting playoff money and not just the P5 getting the playoff money.
1: Yeah, regular season contracting a 10 and still having your – because at that point, if you're um, a Power 5 – let's say you play in the Pac-12 or the Big 10, it's like, yeah, you can just decide, do we want to play an FCS for this 10th game? Do we want to just do an all-P5 schedule? Do we want to find a random G5 school to pay? And for Bama, it's like, all right, cool, we'll play our FCS team and contribute to the ecosystem that way. But it's like, I don't know, man. Does How much does Alabama really benefit from playing Southern Miss at home? Not much. How much do they benefit from playing FAU at home? Not much. Um, those schools benefit for sure with the paychecks, but it's like, Alab- God, I, I hate the way I'm going to sound here, but seems like Alabama should not be responsible for You know, floating the entire college football ecosystem. I think it can float on its own if we all do our fair share. We all do our part. Alabama can do a big part, but yeah, I believe if you give
2: give some money, (laughs) if you give some money to Florida International every year, I think that's better for the long-term health of the program than them having to guarantee two losses on their schedule because they have to go to Columbus and. I don't know Pullman. Like I don't know where they even go, um, in order to like get whooped. Although Washington State has always loved losing to an FCS school very early, although the FCS. But anyways, like it was always I their think, sign
1: they were gonna go nine and three.
2: It was. <laughs> yeah, when you lose to Eastern Washington in week two, that means you're winning out. But mm-hmm. um, I feel like giving them uh, some small portion of the playoff TV revenue is better for the long-term health of that program because then they may develop a winner and they don't have to let's say they don't have to play a really tough team so they can you know maybe catch a lucky break or two they go nine and one they win uh the Sunbelt or Conference USA or whatever and now all of a sudden they actually get to play in the playoff and they're gonna get whooped in the first round probably but that's a lot of money for that program and that's much better for the long-term health of that of the sport I think
1: Yeah, if like let's say if a let's th- say a three-star safety from Lafayette, Louisiana, knows that wow, okay, cool. I know that if I go to ULL, I know that I can make the playoff. And we may win or we may lose, but I know that we've got. I have a shot at a national championship if I go to ULL. And listen, man, if ULL somehow ends up with like nineteen three-stars, that's a top forty class. <laughs> Which, you know, and, and you can raise it's your floor. definitely pretty, the best class in your conference. You can raise your floor pretty easily just by being on TV a few times a year. Um, and that's what it all comes down to is TV money. So, like yeah, like maybe Frank Solich is to let Ohio 40 years from now, which I absolutely expect him to be. Well, Almost like, definitely. Yeah. It's like, hey, they just kept bringing in more and more overlooked three stars from Ohio because they, make the, they made the playoffs every three years. Like, yeah, that's, (laughs) that's great. That's a good idea. That's a great idea too.
2: And you may end up, you know, with a player who wants to succeed and you may end up with the hometown kid who like wants to play in the national championship, wants to go to the NFL. They know if they're going to get on TV at your school, they don't have to go fight for a spot at the bigger school. You know, for example, Ohio university is in Athens. That is where Joe Burrow is from. And he, Mm -hmm. you know, Obviously, turned into an amazing quarterback much later. I know we all remember that uh, LSU, his first year there, was better when he completed under 50% of their passes than if he completed over 50% of his passes. But, (laughs) you know, maybe rather than go in a fight for third place on the depth chart at Ohio State, he decides to stay at home because he knows he's still going to get on TV and may still get drafted and may actually be able to do something. Now, I don't know if that's a player who cares a lot about Ohio versus Ohio State, because that whole state is obsessed with Buckeyes. But a situation like that, you know, could happen, and that could change the, the direction of the program, which is almost impossible if that player is never out, allowed to be on TV unless they are, you know, getting their ass handed to them by the biggest school nearby.
1: Yep. In a normal year, um, a non-COVID year, uh, Fresno State and San Jose State, two schools that are in ridiculously – talent-rich regions, they are both competing for a playoff spot in a normal non-COVID year in 2020 under this system. like, And just imagine if Fresno with all the... Ta- I'm sure you guys have listened to the same podcast I have, and you you guys know the way population is shifting. The Valley in Central California is booming population-wise and will continue to over the next 10 to 20 years. And Fresno is right in the heart of that. And, and if you can convince, you know, a lot of kids, they're like, hey, come here, and you can play for a national championship. Fresno picks up two random four-stars a year. Before long, there's going to be eight or, eight or nine four-stars on the Fresno State roster, <laughs> which is sometimes the difference between winning and losing a conference championship or a random first-round playoff game against the seventh seed.
0: Oh, most definitely. Sure, that's the whole point of, the, like, a takes you back to the origin of the conversation. The way to actually achieve any parity is not the right word, just more balance is having more shots, like more people having a bite at the apple. I think I just crossed like eight references, but the fact that, (laughs) you know, know, 50 schools in the literal sense have a shot to win a national title and like 12 in the all-actuality is uh, not good for the health of the sport.
1: No, not at all, not at all. And I'm glad that... um, and I'm glad that Bill Hancock sort of realizes that. It's like Bill Hancock is again. I'm not sure why we continue kowtowing to the West Coast and USC because we've made enough money with them taking the rest of the last decade off. But it is more mm-hmm. fun when college football is. It's fun when USC is good. It's fun when Miami is good. It's that's not a great example because they're in the ACC. But it's like when when there's random G5 teams dunking on like back in the day more than one. G5, well back then it was non-automatic qualifier, but more than one could make the BCS. And now the entire New Year Six only has one G5 slot. I'm like, no, stop that. It's like last year, like Cincinnati could, Cincinnati, Coastal, and BYU all deserved New Year Six spots last year. And it's yeah. like, dude, I, 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 I can tell you, I, I did not give, and again, Iowa State was very fun to watch, Brees Hall, great, one of my favorite players in the country, I did not give one Shit about the Iowa State Oregon Fiesta Bowl. Not one, not one. It, just, it, it, it never occurred. It never occurred to me that that would be an interesting game to watch. Yeah, and I and I think
2: especially if they if they can put some of those games on campuses as they expand, because I know mm. KP, you and I are big fans of traveling and like it's it's fun to go to all these cities, you know, go to Phoenix, go to Dallas, whatever. But like if Alabama, you know, let's say loses two games like they did uh, two years ago. Oh, they're still going to end up in this expanded playoff, and I'm using Alabama because that's where that's who I would go to visit, um, or go travel to go see. But like, you have a random up year from a school that you would never otherwise notice, and now all of a sudden, you know, a team is playing in Pullman, in Winston Salem. <laughs> Hell, they can go to New Jersey, play Rutgers, because Greg Schiano turned it around. Like all this, like you would go to a town that you would never otherwise think of. And that would be so fun. I could not imagine how exciting it would be to say, like, all right, we had a down year. Uh, shoot, we have to go to Orlando this year. But, like, if it's like, hey, like, guess what? We're going to Eugene. Yeah. Something like that. Uh, I think I uh, think that'd be just amazing. I think that's the the best outcome for the
1: fans, too. Especially because we've been trying to, and again, it's different because Bam going to play more home and homes, but you just get like random one-off games in cities that, like you said, you we'll never go to. Like I don't know, maybe Brett Bielema turns Illinois into a random team and they somehow win the Big West at ten and two, and they <laughs> and they lose the Big the Big Ten championship, get in the playoffs as a thirteen, win some weird upset game, and then they're hosting. It's like, wow, I'm going to Champaign, Urbana, Illinois. Or Urbana cool. Champagne, excuse me, it's like yeah, that's it's that's random as hell, and that's college football. college football is random as hell. It's not this corporate beast that we turned it into. it's not you know all stuffy and you know it looks clean on paper, and we're trying to appeal to the lowest common denominator. No college football has been and should be forever a sicko sport and I, think, and, I think, and I think traveling to campus for playoff games really leans into that culture and that origin of the sport that we you know, have come to know and love.
2: Absolutely, especially when there is a notable culture clash, or not just clash, but you're exposing yourself to something new and different. Then we get more stuff like my single favorite college football story of the last decade, which was that time Wisconsin went to Provo, and their fans drank the entire city out of its alcohol by like 9 a.m. Yeah. It's... But that is amazing. <laughs> if we can guarantee that that happens every year, that is so much better. Like, I will go to Provo for a Wisconsin BYU. Probably not. But still, it's a nice thought. I'll consider it. Maybe if I have more money, I can start doing that for fun.
1: Yeah, just it, college football, it, it's a random sport. It's a beautiful sport. It's big. It's loud. It's boisterous. And it makes no logical sense. I think we should have one thing that makes sense, and it's how we determine the champion. Um, so that's why I'm advocating going back to the pre b c s um system where we just let nineteen riders in New York decide the national champion every year.
2: <laughs> yeah, that seems reasonable. People in New York have always been the smartest, right? If you just trust people in New York, they always make the best decisions for the always. whole
1: country historically yes yeah you you fellows ready for the um the tournament, the draft tournament,
2: <laughs> the draft draft the draft draft, of course. Oh, I've I've been I've been preparing all day. I've been I've been studying scouting reports. I am ready. I am ready for this tournament.
1: So, uh, folks listening here, earlier today while I was taking my morning constitutional, I came up with a weird concept of a draft tournament with the NFL draft tomorrow. Which I'm glad we really only spent well, like I think 90 seconds on it. Thank God. But with that coming up tomorrow, we decided, all right, cool, what are your favorite drafts? And we came up with eight good drafts, and here they are um, in no specific order. Number one, um, probably the number one overall suit, if we actually see this thing, draft beer. KP,
2: do we, do we want to uh, list them all, or do you want to give us the matchups and, and we can we can argue them as we go?
1: Um, let's do that. Let's do that. That's a good idea, Ross. Um, but, so that's spilled the beans on a one wheel roll with that, does that go with you, Rip? It works for me. So first, um, this one, this one shouldn't take long, but first matchup we've got is draft beer versus the military draft. Um, I know one that I enjoy thoroughly. I know one that I'm pretty against, even though I wouldn't be a part of it. <laughs> um, but interesting to see if y'all have any arguments that are pro-military draft, at least against draft beer.
2: I'm I'm willing to to take a stand on this one, Rip. Unless you have unless you have some strong thoughts, go ahead. I'll follow up. I am going to say, while I while I feel like I know, you know sort of the the foregone conclusion here, I think there's a, a a couple trick plays up the sleeve of the military draft, and I think we have entered a situation in which uh, if you. There are a lot of things that aren't great about, you know, uh, wars and military service over, you know, 60, 50, 60 plus years ago. Mm-hmm. But I think, uh, a nice benefit of it is examples like the, the famous Martin Luther King day story from Feinbaum a couple of years, no, not a couple of years ago, well, a few years ago now, um, where, you know, people with, of differing backgrounds were sort of forced to come together in, uh, you know, what is probably an increasingly stratified society, much like an increasingly stratified college football landscape. So I think there are a lot of people who grow up, you know, with really any, if you have some means at all, chances of you joining the military, unless you go to a service academy and become an officer, are almost nothing. It is entirely full of people who join the military, or the, not entirely military is increasingly full of people who do it with not really many other options. Um, so I will say that I think it would be possible awesome you don't go to war at all, generally, but uh, I think it could be better um, for the long-term health of society and having us respect other people and understanding other people better if you're forced to go through some sort of trial and tribulation with somebody that you don't know that well who's from an entirely different uh, part of the country or society, as you, Except I for the I, fact that you are mandatorily possibly faced with you know gunfire that seems bad.
0: Yeah, I could buy into that. Like just a mandatory—I mean, other countries do it—mandatory like one or two years of military service. That doesn't mean you have to go to war. And hell, we're moving further and further away from actually fighting wars with people rather rather than robots. So, like, I could get on board with that.
1: Yeah, no, that's a very compelling argument, Ross. And I I do think that some and again I don't want to put on my nationalist hat, but i I do think some form of service to the country that everyone should go through. It's sort of the same rule where, you know, everyone should probably have to work in the service industry in some capacity, um <laughs> in their life just to Oh, that that one, you know. that one
2: I that one I will I will rank if if there's a you have to be a waiter for a year draft, I will take that first overall and that will that'll will be every <laughs> single other option. <laughs> That would drastically change how we treat people in this country. My goodness.
0: Yeah, no kidding because if you have it – like people that are dicks to waiters and waitresses or whatever are very clearly – I'll even go beyond the whole like they've never worked in the service industry. It's very clear they've never had the – okay, I'm making generalizations now. I think people that are dicks to waitresses and waiters more often than not have never had to work for a whole lot in their entire life up to that point. Because if you work – I didn't even work in a real service industry. I worked as a busboy at Nukes. And even working that crappy job, like that's not even a real waiter job. I'll never be a dick to anyone that works in the food service industry, and I'll always tip the maximum. And I was only like halfway into it.
1: Yeah, I that's – people people who are mean to service industry workers, especially in food service, like, what are you doing? I, this person literally makes T50 an hour. They're just – they're dying for your approval so you can tip them well so they can actually eat um, and afford food from the place that they work at. Um, that's <laughs> that's yeah, how – Yeah, um,
2: if you yell at a retail how, worker, you're a bad person. I'm comfortable that, going out on a limb on that one.
1: Bad person. But very bad <laughs> You guys made some great points about the military draft, but on the other hand, it's like, man, have you had, like, three draft beers on a Friday night? Ooh.
2: You know, I will say one of the things that I have missed the most being inside, although there have been many wonderful going out to get some nice beers. You know, you go to a liquor store or a grocery store or whatever, depending on where you live, and get something new, and you can try them. But, like, just go to a bar. You only have to sign up for the one. You don't have to get the six-pack or the 12-pack or something new. And it's <laughs> right there for you, and it's in a glass that you then don't have to wash. Ooh, draft beers—they are. Military draft put up a valiant fight, but I think I have to go draft beers in the first round.
1: I'm going draft beers as well, so that's so that's two votes. But Rip, just for posterity's sake, where, where, where's your vote lie? I'll probably go draft beer. That seems more enjoyable than shooting guns. Clean sweep for draft beers. Next draft. Next drafts that we'll discuss. The MLB's weird draft system um, versus account overdrafts. Uh, I'll let Ross cook for a little bit here, um, Ross. In two minutes or less, can you explain why the MLB's draft system is good or bad?
2: Uh, no, doesn't make sense. <laughs> Can't explain it. I uh, that's that's my under two minutes. It's a weird, dumb system that I don't know why they have it the way they do.
1: Just. Imagine the Jaguars taking Trevor Lawrence and then just not giving him the signing bonus he wants, and just be like, "You know what? I'm going back to Clemson for a year." <laughs> yeah, and that's then... crazy.
2: And 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 the the drafting high school players, but they can also say no. But then it's not just a free for all. Uh, one of you two correct me if I'm wrong. I think you have to go to school for at least three years if you choose to go to college and not get drafted at a high school, correct?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, that is no. correct. Or you, they change the date. Okay, so they change the date every couple of years. But if you are 21 years old, it's usually pre-June something. You can actually be a draft-eligible sophomore. But for the most part, 98% of cases, you have to go there for three years. So there's a way to get out of it, two if you're old enough, like if you got held back like way back in the day. But most of the time, yes, just three years
1: weird dumpster that's
2: never made sense to me like if you are eligible to be drafted at a high school you can say all right i'm not there yet like i understand maybe this is a system to protect the colleges from one and done or something but like i don't see a reason why if if you're considered old enough and mature enough to be considered for drafting at 18 when you're coming out of high school like let's say you have a great freshman year you should be able to strike while the iron's hot get drafted get that stock up and you don't have to accidentally, or you don't have to risk another two years where your performance might go down.
1: Who cares if it's one and done? There's only 11.7 scholarships anyway, except for Vanderbilt. Like, mean, figure it out. It's you
2: know, <laughs> figure it out. Yeah, that's oof. That that's a tough one. It's going to be hard to 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 go with the Major League Baseball draft. It has a lot of I, it has a lot of problems.
1: do enjoy the 40 rounds against overdrafting your account, Ross.
2: Ooh. Oh man, KP, you went you went heater versus heater in the first round. And then now we're now we're really stuck with the. Uh, <laughs> mm. You're making you're making me choose. You know, which scandal-plagued former Baylor coach do I want? Art Briles or Kim Mulkey? Come on, man. <laughs> uh, oh, man. I, think, I love I how think I'm gonna LSU. Have to, sorry, I think I'm going to have to go with Major League Baseball because even though their draft system is very dumb. Uh, they have given me a few nice things, um, which is baseball players that I like to root for. And, uh, there is no, I can't think of a redeeming quality for an account for uh, an overdraft fee. Yep. All, all bad. All bad. Other than just Um, punishing poor people for being poor. I
0: can't overdraft. My father is my banker. Um, and he has some setting <laughs> uh, that I believe kicked in when we went to college uh, to where, like, if I'm
2: at zero, uh, that thing's just not charging. Well, yeah, like, and if you have enough money, like, it takes like three days to pend or whatever. So if you accidentally overdraft and then, like, move the money over, they're not actually going to charge you a fee. But if you, but like, that's only if you, you know, decided to buy chipotle five days in a row and you're like oh shoot i forgot to put, move the money over and then you do and you're fine and you don't get charged like i have overspent my debit card before and i was always able to move money before i hit the the fee hit so the no accounting overdraft fees are just a tax on poor people and banks should be ashamed that they have them
1: i also don't pay atm fees Do you? Uh, it, de- it depends i just gotta find a chase atm but if i'm in the state of alabama that's not happening
2: yeah, Chase, so, <laughs> Chase hits you pretty hard. They both You both have to pay that fee, and Chase will charge you, like I think, $3 to use someone else's ATM. They, they hit you with a double-sided fee.
0: So I have a local one, and so I can use any ATM anywhere, and it charges me at the time, but the bank reimburses you at the end of the month for all your ATM fees.
2: That's a very good system that you should stick with that bank because uh, that's little, not it's common. A little,
1: it's a little present at the end of the month.
0: Yeah, first commercial, tomorrow's banking. I'll get y'all hats. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I appreciate it. So MLB's weird draft sounds like it's moving on. Um, next, um, and we're kind of running up on time here, standard fantasy draft against snake fantasy draft. Um, which do you prefer? Rip, I don't
2: I don't play fantasy too much. I, I, get, I get way too into it and I get upset each year, so I'll, I'll let you cook on this one if you've got strong feelings.
1: Wait, say that again, KP. Standard draft against a uh, snake draft in fantasy. What is? You explain to me standard
0: because every uh, every <laughs> fantasy league I've ever been in has been actually been snake.
1: Oh, just like straight a, a up NFL
2: one. draft rules. You know, one through thirty-two, then one through thirty-two.
0: Oh,
1: yeah. and
2: it just pertains to fantasy football.
1: And just uh, fantasy sports in general. Yeah, but
0: I uh, guess snake. You, I, I, I guess standard you're, you're
1: drafting a fantasy. That would be brutal. That would suck. I guess you can make deals and you can trade. I, I guess this is if you're in a dynasty league, like you can trade um, future picks or saying, "Hey, I'll trade this these draft positions um, for your one great draft position." So I guess you could do that, but that wasn't specified. This was I think grooved. it would.
2: I think it would have to be a keeper league. Like there needs to be something if you are getting a benefit from your performance the year before or a like. If you're getting a demerit and you're picking at the end because you performed really well the year before, in regular fantasy that doesn't mean anything because you pick all new people every year, unless you have like players that you're holding over. And chances are, you know, like you have both somehow Ezekiel Elliott and Christian McCaffrey or whomever. Like you have them both on your team and they're both going to be on your team next year. Fantasy, like, sure you should probably draft later, but unless you have that, no snake draft.
1: Okay, so snakes moving on, um, and our final draft of the first round: rough drafts in writing, and just also just drafty weather. So, like very windy. I I, I did not know like how a draft coming way. through the window. Exactly. Um, what's and those are kind of related. If you're into Emily Dickinson, I guess. But what would we? <laughs> how would we? Um, how would we rank those two against each other?
2: I was just about to say you talking about draft makes it's not Emily Dickinson, it's uh, Jane Austen, but the I think it's Jane Austen at least, but the the, the version the last movie I saw in theaters before the pandemic was um, Emma with uh,
1: Taylor <laughs> Joy <Taylor-Joy>.
2: and <laughs> yeah. Bill Nye is like her dad and he's just freaking out that he thinks his house is drafty the whole time, so I, that's oh that's actually a pretty good movie. I love Bill Nye. B-
1: Bill Nye's in that movie. Okay, yeah, sure, why not go?
2: <laughs> Bill Nye. N-I-G-H-Y, the British one, not the science guy.
1: Oh, okay, okay.
2: Both good Bill Nye's, though.
0: I am going to go with draft from the – wind, or draft just in general from the window, maybe like a – does that count as a gust of wind? Does that count as a draft? Maybe yeah. Like a nice so, breeze? We'll count it. Well, like if you get like swamp ass on the golf course, the, that breeze could be a game changer if you're at the right angle to where it's like – Writing, I fucking hate first drafts because – so back when I had editors, like I would always be ready to roll, particularly if it was a story I was excited about. Just like let's get this out there. Like what are y'all nitpicking it for? And now that I don't have editors, I wish I did because I'm incredibly impatient. But, man, it makes your writing better. So I'm not a big first draft fan because I don't like either side of it. Like I don't enjoy waiting on it, but I also know that it's not the finished product and that pisses me off more. So I'm going to go draft up against your butt. Uh, on a hot day on the golf course
1: winter. It's a a great qualifier. I'll go the same way. I never believed in rough drafts. I just kind of edited as I went, Um, as in write one paragraph, edit, boom, 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 until I'm done. And was that a good strategy? Of course it wasn't. But that's what made me such a mediocre writer. Um, (laughs) And I'm going to run with that system until I die. So rough drafts aren't even real to me, uh, and I can't vote for something that doesn't exist. So I'm going um drafty wins specifically against your ass on the golf course. Next, drafty wins on the golf course versus draft beer. Again, two very related topics.
0: <laughs> oh, I couldn't really live without beer. As bad as that sounds. So I'm going beer.
2: Yeah, the, the the draft, I think, you know, a nice breeze on a hot day is great. But I think a draft like the wind sort of also encapsulates, you know, maybe a on a cold day you can't close your window all the way. I think there's a you, you, we prefer the positive, and there's enough positives to it, but there's a little bit of a negative. I don't know if there's really a negative side to draft beers. That's a that's your that's your Trevor no. Lawrence in this draft or in this
1: nothing nothing bad has ever happened after draft beers. Exactly nothing nothing.
2: A hundred percent positive.
1: So draft beer to the final. All right, cool. Next, MLB's weird draft against snake draft.
2: MLB Institute of Snake Draft. The MLB <laughs> draft doesn't matter anyways. Institute a Snake Draft. That's what I say.
1: It, it is the most irrelevant draft of the major sports leagues. So
2: It means nothing. No one knows how it works.
1: I'll
0: go MLB draft because even though you don't know how it works, it's uh, – fantasy pisses me
2: off (laughs) all right kp it's down i vote vote snake rip votes mlb what do you what do you what are you thinking
1: uh man i um i'm thinking mlb just because i I do enjoy big random weird things that make zero sense i i enjoy those things And, and that's what is the mlb draft if not that i love the fact that you can really scout a guy for two years in high school um decide you want to use a third-round pick on him and you're kind of building your future around him. And he's like, you know what? No, nah, I'm going to go to UC Irvine for three years. <laughs> that's funny to me. When the billionaires get fucked, that's that's funny. That's, I'm never going to not laugh at that. That's fair. It
2: does provide us that brief that brief respite of hope.
1: So um, next, uh, our, our finale. Draft beer against the MLB's draft. Um... It's got to be draft beer, right, guys?
2: Yeah, there's there's no there's no Baylor going up against Gonzaga in the finals here. I think as 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 fun as this this game was, that we had a champion from the first, and and they were they were taking everybody down.
0: Also, if you try to follow the MLB draft for its entirety, particularly like from the vantage point of one team, you will want about fifty draft beers afterwards. So I think that wins it automatically.
1: Yeah, it, it's got to be draft. Rip, you got years. any
0: stories about draft night in Cincinnati? <laughs> no, it's really not that interesting because it goes on during the year. I remember sitting at the – I would sit in the, the – Reds were actually playing the Rockies in a three-game series that week in Cincinnati, and I would just sit at the stadium, and I had no game responsibilities. My uh, my job was to go cover like the draft, obviously, and then go try to track down the phone numbers of the kids that got drafted, which media relations would help you a bit, and then you would end up in this – media relations guys like tiny-ass office talking to this draft pick who has no idea who the fuck you are. And then at the end of each day, you would talk to the GMs who would come out with like, dip all over their mouths and shit, look like they hadn't slept in a while, and, like, halfway into your question. So it's really not that uh, thrilling of an experience, to put it
1: mildly. That's – it's – yeah, I've never followed a full Yankees draft. Uh, Just whenever it's over, I just, like, read an article. Like, all right, cool, we got these guys. Nice. Not going to hear from most of them for at least two or three years, but sure, why not? That's um,
2: that's the thing that I've always struggled with the most with the MLB draft is I'll read it and I'll be like, yeah, they got this guy, this is exciting, and then I spend the next like you know couple months like being like, ooh, I, like I wonder where they're playing in the minors, and I'll look like, look them up and be like, oh, nice, and then I'll forget about them, and then like three years later, I'll be like, hey, that you know shortstop at a TCU that they drafted, he seemed super good, like I wonder whatever happened to him, and it's like he's retired already. <laughs> like, the guy was out of baseball. Like, they took him seventh overall, and he's no good. And it's like, what?
1: What? He, he's, he's he's a hitting he's a hitting coach at, like, Texas State and has been for the last two years. Yeah. It's um, like you get right.
2: busts in every draft, but still. It's, it's the weirdest one.
1: Exactly. All right, so before we sign off here, uh, I want to know your favorite draft beers. Go. You're, you're number one.
2: Ooh, number one. That's tough, KP. You know, I move good. around too much. I have I have too many How is it not? How is,
1: you know what?
0: Rippy, what's yours? You don't get against it on draft, Kevin. Psychopathy from Mad Tree Brewing in Cincinnati, Ohio is my favorite beer of all time. Oh, that's such a good one. Mad Tree a, is great.
1: That's one of I, a great choice. It
0: is amazing. I lived right next to it, so I would always get to like walk up, sit outside, eat a pizza, and uh, I got very much hooked on their Psychopathy beer. That's my favorite one of all time.
1: Mine is um mine is Good People Brown Ale from Good People Brewing in um, Alabama. It's just it's not it's standard. It's nice. It's a little bit heavier than your standard, um, you know, ales. So it, it's a good beer. It'll put some hair on your chest, but you can drink a lot of them and not feel terrible.
2: I think I will have to go. Uh, this is tough because I don't want this this uh, podcast to have too much Ohio representation. But I think I might have to go with the Seventh Son from Seventh Son, uh, which is a brewery in Columbus. Um, they great describe beer scene
0: in southern Ohio.
2: Oh, th- yeah. Oh, the three C's have some pretty great breweries. I've enjoyed my time in all three of them. Um, <laughs> but that's Cleveland, Columbus, and Cincinnati, for those of you blessed enough to never live in Ohio.
1: Cincinnati, uh, Cincinnati's a Kentucky.
2: That's fair. However, uh, Seventh <laughs> Son, they describe it as an American strong ale. And it's uh, it'll sneak up on you, but it drinks pretty easy. That's a that was always my go-to, and that was my go-to
1: brewery after work, and that was my go-to beer there. We love to hear it, uh, folks. Thanks again for listening to Banjo College Football, the world's most ethical college football podcast. I'm your host Kevin Paul, and on behalf of Ross Mulcairn, Brian Scott Rippy, and Andrew, I guess kind of the ghost sure. of Andrew Stevens, pronounced um, repay um, <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, We will see y'all soon. Y'all take it easy.